We're in the final two weeks of the church's liturgical year, and day by day at Mass, in this final part of every liturgical year, we hear passages and prayers about the last things, about the end of the world, about life after death, about God's eternal kingdom. When we stand up at Mass on Sundays and other days, and we profess our faith, it's meant to be a really important moment in our lives every week. You can stand up when we say the creed, right after this brilliant homily. Uh, when, we get, when we stand up and do that, it can just be rattling off words, which is unfortunate, but it's good that we're here, or it can be very profound. The creed contains some of the very basics of our faith. We profess these in public to say who we are, but we're also meant to be reminded of these truths because they're meant to orient us and guide us through each week of our lives. So what I invite you to consider based on this end of the liturgical year and the passages we just heard is we're about to stand up and say about Jesus, he will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead and his kingdom will have no end. And we'll say at the end of the creed, I believe in the resurrection of the dead and life eternal without end. Within the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. It'd be good for me to learn the creed. So if you sincerely profess those truths, and if you allow them to be in front of you this actual week of your life, I believe you may choose to live very differently than you otherwise might. The passage we heard in the first reading today from the book of Daniel and the very specific passage we heard from the 13th chapter of Mark in the Gospel reading are both what's called a form of literature, writing, called apocalyptic literature. This was very common and popular in Judaism from about 200 BC till around 100 AD. The word in Greek, apocalypsis, means revelation. So apocalyptic literature is a form of writing that's about revelation of it's, it's usually in the form of visions of things that are divine, things of God. Have, some of the visions are direct, some of them are symbolic, and they mostly have to do with, to repeat, the end times, the end of the world, the triumph of God over evil, the eternity of God's ultimate kingdom. The book of Daniel in the Old Testament is the fully apocalyptic book in the Old Testament. So we just heard it's written between 167 and 164 before Christ. We just heard the first three verses of the 12th chapter of Daniel. It's a vision, we believe as Christians, like Jewish people, divinely inspired, God inspired. This isn't just a writing. This is God's sacred word, a vision of the end of the world. There's newness in here, these revelations for our Jewish brothers and sisters, and there are questions that should arise if you actually take it seriously. So Daniel says, at the end of the world, he sees it's gonna be a time, the world is going to end, number one. It's not gonna just go on forever. When the world ends, it's going to be a time unsurpassed in distress from the beginning of nations until that point. Unsurpassed in distress. In the midst of this unsurpassed distress, the ultimate end is going to be God. God is going to save from that distress everyone whose name is written in the book. So somehow God is gonna intervene in the end of the world 
and everyone whose name is written in some book connected with God is going to be saved. So that's a big revelation. It also raises questions. Man, I want my name in that book if the world comes to an end today. And so how do you get your name in the book? It's not answered by Daniel. Also, Daniel sees in these visions totally new to the world, totally new to Judaism, that at the end of the world, people who have already died, people who are already dead, are going to awake from death. Some of them are going to live forever. They're going to shine like the firmament. They're going to be like stars forever. And these people are people who are wise and who lead the many to justice. You still with me here? This is very important if you're thinking about football. I hope you don't end up in hell. The people who are wise and lead the many to justice are going to be the ones whose names who are going to live forever, along with the people whose names are written in the book. And other people are going to awake from death, and they are going to be an everlasting horror and disgrace. Some people who are already dead will awaken from death and not be like stars forever. They will be an everlasting horror and disgrace. I hope you get it. This is a really important passage in the, New, in the Old Testament. That's the first time in the Bible that there's a explicit explanation or expression rather of belief in eternal life. That is not to be taken for granted in our Jewish heritage. This is new. It's also the first time in the Bible that there's an explicit expression of belief in the resurrection of the dead. So really an important passage. And to repeat, the questions should come if you take it seriously. How do you get your name in that book? Is everybody's name in that book? The people who are alive at the end of the world. And how do you end up as someone who shines eternally in God and not as someone who will be an everlasting horror and disgrace? Jesus Christ, the Son of God, answers those questions. He comes to this world to save this world and he repeatedly, in detail, explains the answers to all of those questions that arise from Daniel. So, the passage we just heard, which I encourage you to read at home this week, is from Mark 13. If you've been following along in Mark week after week during this liturgical year, Mark 13 is without question the most difficult chapter of Mark to interpret and understand because it's this apocalyptic literature. There is no scripture scholar in the history of Christianity who would say, gee, I really think I understand all of this chapter. Part of it is because these are visions about the end of the world. They're also visions about the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem, which actually takes place in 70 AD. They're visions about the persecution in the future of Jesus' disciples, and it's kind of mixed together. But you can make sense of at least some of it. Passage we just heard is about the end of the world, without question. So here is Jesus, the Son of God, and this is written in the form of an apocalyptic expression, telling us about the future because he wants us to know this. Like Daniel, Jesus says the end of the world will be a time of unsurpassed distress. The sun will be, over, will be shadowed, the light of the sun. The moon will no longer give off light. It actually doesn't give off light, but you get it. It will not be shining. The stars will be falling from the sky. The powers of heaven will be shaken. I believe this 100%. 
it is going to take place, distress, cosmic distress, and then people on this planet will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. Who is the Son of Man? Jesus is the Son of Man. I know you know this. That's the title he uniquely uses for himself. Jesus picks that image from Daniel, bing, 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 chapter 7. It's a mysterious image in the book of Daniel of a figure, the Son of Man, to whom God the Father gives a kingship over all nations and all of creation. Jesus, in his public ministry, constantly refers to himself uniquely as the Son of Man. Jesus is saying the entirety of what happens at the end of the world. It's not just somehow God ends up being the end. Jesus returns to this planet. Jesus returns for real, coming on the clouds with great power and glory. And he says what he does, what he will do when he returns. He will send out his angels to gather his elect from one end of the sky to the other, from the four winds, from one end of the sky to one end of the earth. He will gather his elect to himself. So whose names are written in the book that Daniel sees in the future? The people who are chosen by Jesus. Jesus will come, he's the one at the end, and he will bring together the conclusion of human history. So from the rest of the New Testament, from the letters of the New Testament, rest of the Gospels rather, the letters of the New Testament, from the book of Revelation, here's Christianity 101. Jesus says he will come at the end of time in glory. He tells us that he will judge the living and the dead. If Jesus comes today and brings human history to completion, he will judge all of us. And he tells us how he does it. He, re view, he repeats to us how we've chosen to live our lives, how we have chosen to either live his love or not live his love. Give food to the hungry, give drink to the thirsty, give welcome to the stranger, give clothing to the naked, give care to the ill, give yourself visiting to those in prison, live the love of Jesus Christ. He will judge all of us for eternal life or eternal death, for heaven to be eternally with God and everyone who's with God, or hell, a real possibility, to be eternally, eternally living, separated from God, and everyone who is in heaven. Think of the worst of your experience on this planet for eternity. He'll judge the living, spiritually and physically, and Jesus teaches that he will judge the dead, people who have already died or already in heaven or in hell forever will have not just their spirits, but their bodies will be raised and they will be physically and spiritually in heaven or hell. Back to Mark, 13, Jesus assures people, no one knows when this will take place, only God the Father. No one knows, including Jesus, the day or the hour when the world will end. This will happen, but only God the Father knows. So let me pull this together for you this week. You and I are some of the few people on this planet currently who have received this relatively few, a couple billion, who have received this revelation and are able to believe it. I 100% believe this. We are so far ahead in terms of what we've received from God 
than most people on the planet and most people in the past 2,000 years. What are you going to do with this this week? If you review this, he will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. I do not know the day or the hour, so I should presume it may be not tonight, this afternoon. I want to go to heaven. I do not want to go to hell. I know what the admission is to one or the other. It's about how I live my life. So to repeat and push this in your faces, which I feel really good, I have this skill, to push in your face, what does it mean to be wise with all of that information, with all of that truth in your life this week? What does it mean to be wise in the way you're choosing to live your life? And what does it mean to lead the many to justice, to lead other people to what's right and true in the way we live our lives this week? You can go to our social media. I repeated that, just that quote from Daniel this week. This week, you've received this truth. I bet that most of you really believe it. With all this, what does it mean to be wise? And what does it mean this week for you to lead the many to justice? Figure it out, put it into practice, and you're free. Thank you for listening. To learn more and to get involved, go to stpatrickparish.com.